Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. I've been asked a lot of times in my life, how do you know that you've been called by God? What does a personal calling on your life look like? Or to be able to utilize your spiritual gifts when you're in that place, what exactly does that look like? And my answer is always the same. And I would say this to any person in here that feels like maybe God is moving you in a certain direction. Maybe you feel like there's something that you're supposed to be doing. Maybe you feel like God is really wanting to put you in a new position in your life. I would say it this way. It feels miserable to do anything else or to try to live outside of that calling. It is so pressing on your life and on your heart that it just begins to feel odd and uncomfortable and pointless to do anything else. You can't even at some point, you can't even envision another life for you. I think the unfortunate thing is that a lot of people go their entire lives, even as Christians, and never find this. They never find this calling or this special purpose. And you know what? Sometimes it is narrowed and drilled down real specific, and other times it's not. Other times it's general and it changes throughout seasons of your life. The point is really to be obedient to what it is. So if you feel called, but you can imagine being happy doing something else, like I really feel like I'm supposed to be called, I'm called to work with uh, children that are in bad situations, or I'm called to re- uh, work in recovery for alcoholics and drug addicts. I'm, I, I feel like single mothers or, or pastoral ministry is my call, but you can envision yourself being really happy and not doing that. You've not been called. And never, ever, 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 I can promise you because of the stress and the difficulty and everything that comes with it, There is nothing more miserable, probably other than walking away from a calling, than to try to step into something that God has not actually called you to do. So today we enter part 18. Next week's going to be the last week that we're going to be in this series in Acts called Unstoppable Church. And you know, my mind really has a problem with stopping with a part 19. Like 18, okay, 20, even better. But 19, that's just a funny number, but that's just the way it's going to be. So we're in part 18 today of our series in Acts called Unstoppable Church. We've discussed the origins of the church. Keep in mind, this has been going on since right after Easter, since April. We've discussed the origins of the church, the movement of the Holy Spirit, the building of Christ-centered community, a lot of really important individuals, and most recently, the conversion of this man named Saul. And just let me say, I love what God is doing through our church in this series. It has been absolutely incredible. We have watched the dead come to spiritual life. We've seen people make significant decisions, baptisms. It's just been a very, very special season for our church. 
And it's going to continue. But this, this series, we just with our vision and with our mission, we needed this at this time. And I'm just so, so happy. Last week was amazing. Last week was just an absolutely amazing time together. So today we're going to take this one step further, and we're going to consider after Saul experiences conversion, this concept of calling. So this idea of a calling on a person's life, and we're going to do this through the lens of Saul's experience. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 9 again, Acts chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 9, and we're going to read to 18. So you can look it up on your phone. If you want to look up here on the screen, that's perfectly fine. If you've got your Bible, that's even better. Acts chapter 9, verses 9 through 18 is where we're going to be today. And let me just say this as a preface to what we're going to be talking about. If you have a story, if you're going through something really difficult right now that is unique to you that maybe no one else in this room knows about or you feel like no one else in this room understands, often your story ends up being the calling that you have on your life. You see, here's the thing. This is not rocket science. It's not really complicated stuff. God speaks a certain way, and then we just speak in, uh, step into it in obedience with our individual story. So this is what things look like for Saul, starting in verse 9 in chapter 9. Keep in mind, he's been on the road to Damascus, and he's experienced this conversion. For three days, he was blind and neither ate nor drank anything. Essentially, he was kind of fasting, maybe without meaning to, or maybe he meant to, because he was a good Jew. In Damascus, there was a certain disciple named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision. Ananias, he answered, Yes, Lord. The Lord instructed him, Go to Judas's house on Straight Street and ask him for a man named Tarsus, named Saul. He is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias enter and put his hands on him to restore him to sight. Ananias countered, Lord, I've heard many reports about this man. People say he's done horrible things to the holy people in Jerusalem. He's here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. This is Ananias' way of saying, I'm not going there. This does not sound like a very good idea. Is this a trick? Is this a trap? I know what this guy's done to followers of the way. I know what this guy's done to early believers. I'm glad that you have so much confidence in me and that you're, you're putting so much responsibility on my shoulders, but maybe this is not the best move to make. The Lord replied, go, this man, this man that has been persecuting Christians is the agent that I have chosen. As you say, I am going through mental health struggles that no one else can understand. You may be the agent that has been chosen. I'm going through these struggles in my marriage. I'm going through these struggles with my job. I have these personal things that are going on. I, I come from a poor family. I don't have a biblical background. I don't understand any of these kinds of things. And then this is what God says. doesn't matter. This is the agent that I have chosen. And I hope this speaks to some of you today. I've chosen to carry my name before Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how, how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Ananias, being obedient, went to the house. He placed his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord sent me, Jesus who appeared to you on your way as you were coming here. He sent him so that you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, 
flakes fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. But I promise you, when he could see this time, it was a lot different. And he, was, he, he got up, and he was baptized. So Peter, as we saw earlier on in Acts, had a role. John had a role. Stephen had a role. Philip had a role. We see here Ananias has a role. And this man named Saul, who will later become Paul, that most of you are more familiar with, will have a role. Now, I remember, if this helps at all, whenever I was 16 years old, and I was part of the youth group at Hunter First Baptist Church. And I was a pretty new Christian, but I started to feel that God had a calling on my life. It was a very energetic, growing youth group. It was a great experience at the time. And I was always, my, my gifting and my, my disposition, my friends were always comfortable with me leading. Either that or they just said, Matt's going to be controlling, let him do it. I really don't know. But I was, I've also been comfortable speaking in front of people, whereas there are a million gifts that you guys have that I just don't have. You know, Cora has this thing right now. She's walking around and she says, I'd really like to have a tree house, but my dad can't build one. So that's kind of what's going on. So there's a lot of areas of my life that I simply do not have gifting that there are people in here. Now, don't laugh at that too hard, all right? But it's, it's an area that I struggle, but there are areas that, for whatever reason, at a young age, I was very comfortable. So someone gave me the opportunity to speak at a youth event whenever I was 16 years old. And I hope Roger is always in a position to where if we have someone in our student ministry that says, I feel like I need to, I need to speak, I feel like maybe this is something God is calling me to do, that we're always opening up the space for our kids to be able to use and utilize to see if they do indeed have that gifting. So I got the opportunity to speak. And the first time that I got the opportunity to speak, several people ended up coming to Jesus. And I knew. And when you know, you just know. Like I knew God was pouring something into me, and it was because I'd stepped out, I'd tried something, and from that point forward, I knew that that was what I was supposed to do with my life. And this was 16 years old. Now, even though I'm eventually, as some of you know, I'm going to rebel and I'm going to be out of church for a very, very long time. I've never been uncalled. Whenever I came back to church, I'm not going through the whole story. Some of you know it. Quit drinking. Was sober for several months. Felt the calling back on my life. A friend of mine, a Methodist pastor, invited me to come and speak at his church. I was an absolute nervous wreck. Very small church. 20 or 30 people there. It was their homecoming Sunday. It was an absolutely... I mean, I was, I was frightened beyond anything that I'd ever felt. And I get up there, and I start preaching, and it's like, as soon as I open up the Word, within seconds, after 16 years, it's like the Holy Spirit just re-energizes everything in me. It's almost like I hear this whisper in my ear that says, welcome back. Welcome back. I mean, it was that real. I was never uncalled. And in all those times, God continued to walk through me, with me, in those moments. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to examine the calling of Saul because our mission here involved, one of our core values is multiplication, sending people out. And that's something that we've talked a lot about in this series. So in order for that to happen, there are some people that are in this room right now that are going to have to step into a calling. There is something that God is pressing upon you. There is something that God is telling you that you need to do. And for some of you, maybe even if you're just curious because you have no idea, we're even going to answer some of those questions today 
to help you out some. All right, so, because this calling may not be this location. So what happens whenever we're called? What does this actually look like? The most important thing that you need to understand is this. We are chosen. We are chosen to do something. Ek legomai in Greek. Let's hear you say that. Just kidding. Ek lego. What this means is you are highly favored. And my belief is that every single person that is in here right now has a unique set of spiritual gifts that other people in this room do not share in the same way. Now, what's frustrating is to see that some people are really stepping out, even though there's a lot of anxiety around this, even though there's a lot of discomfort around this, even though it's really, really hard. There are some people in this church that say, I have had this horrible experience, or I have been through this particular kind of trauma, I am going through these kinds of issues. God wants to use those things in your life. So whereas some people are stepping out and saying, okay, it's really scary, but I'm going to try these things, there are others of you that do have some idea of what you're supposed to be doing, but you're still holding on really, really tightly. And if anything, at the absolute least, my hope whenever we leave today is that you will at least be willing to entertain the reality that God wants to do something big through you. Now, some of you are saying, well, I'm not a preacher, or I'm not a worship leader, or I'm not a youth pastor. That's not what we're talking about. Where there is a need, there is a ministry. And some of you are tailored perfectly for that kind of work. So two hopes that I have today. One of those, those, one of those is that those of you who are being pushed and you know the direction it is, you'll get over yourself. You'll stop neglecting what the Spirit is telling you to do. You'll stop prioritizing other things in your life. And you'll be willing to take that first step. And for others of you that are in here today, you'll at least, the curiosity of what God wants to do through you will move you to say, I'm open and I'm willing and I don't know exactly what it is, but here I am, Lord, send me. Because I want to discover what that is because I'm just going to tell you, nothing else matters. If you've not discovered that, but you're a good parent or a good auto mechanic or a good friend to people, and don't get me wrong, being a good auto mechanic, as, as far as the position it puts you in, being a good friend, being a good parent, those are parts of this. But there is more for you, and there's more for every person that's in here. So when we're chosen, what are we chosen to do? First, we're chosen to serve. We're chosen to commit our lives in a different way to service. And that's scary, and that's hard, because it takes away from a lot of the things that we enjoy in our lives. It really takes away from the plans that we have in our lives. And I'm not necessarily just talking about maybe, and maybe this is your calling because you're so good with generosity and hospitality. Maybe it is greeting people as they come into church. Or maybe it's something else. It's taking that hospitality and taking it further into your life and something that you do completely apart from Believer's Church, but we're chosen to serve, and this means that being called means being present. This is what the passage tells us in verse 15. The Lord replied, go, he's telling Ananias, go, this man 
is the agent I have chosen. He's been chosen. He's highly favored. Oh, do you mean the guy that's killing all the people that are trying to push the mission forward? God, what's on your mind? What is going on? This doesn't even make sense. Yes, he is chosen to carry my name, the name that he's destroying before Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. We have to consider the significance of Saul's calling. Because there are some of you that in your life right now that you're saying, this is what you're saying, I am not spiritually positioned with where I am right now to fulfill a calling. Neither was Saul. Saul's life was an absolute wreck, and he believed that what he did was completely justified. Meaning that regardless, if, if, if you're an angry person, if you're an addicted person, if you're a person that is very shy and insecure, when you're around people, you just, you just clam up and you can't do anything. God has something for you. And it's your responsibility to lean into that with an open heart and say, God, how do you want me to serve? What is it that you have for my life? What does, let's just stop for just a minute. What does this life even mean apart from that? I just have to believe and hope it's bigger than American politics. I just have to believe and hope it's bigger than TikTok. I just have to believe and hope that there is something there, that humanity matters, and that if you're in a church, it's not so that you have something social to do on Sunday mornings, but that your life really means something, and God has something for you, every single person that is here today. So when we are called to serve, I'm telling you from experience, little else matters in our life. I, I'm telling you, when you step into this, you think about the anxiety, the discomfort, the apprehension. Am I going to have to give up all my stuff? What if my spouse doesn't like it? All of this kind. When you step into it, there is so much peace. And it's scary. But there is so much peace. And then all of a sudden in your life, and I know I'm striking a nerve here, sports on Sunday Going to the lake on Sunday, missing church because you've had a rough way, it doesn't even make sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. The thought of being away from God's people, the thought of being away from what you're doing, the ability to utilize what you make, it doesn't even, it doesn't even register as something that makes sense. The dream home, I'm not saying your home isn't important, but it doesn't register the same way. The 401k, it doesn't mean retirement is not important, but that's not what you're focused on. You're focused on something else. The dream wedding, I hope you marry someone wonderful. But this is just stuff. And this calling sends you on mission in your life. And I'm telling you, American Christianity, we've just missed the mark, guys. We've missed it. And we believe if we can get people together and sing a few songs and kind of love on one another and just kind of exclude the outside world from everything that we're doing, you're no different than anyone else in this room that's maybe in a leadership position. God is calling you for a special kind of work. And the tragedy is to miss it. 
or to let life go by even worse and know that there was something that you were being called toward and you left. And please understand this, serving doesn't always require a title. It doesn't mean like that the lead pastor is more important than someone else or the worship pastor or the kids pastor or whoever or more important than other people. You don't need a title. You just need to know what God wants for your life and the direction that you're supposed to go. We are also chosen, and this one's a lot harder, I can promise you. And this is maybe why so many people deny calling. We're chosen to serve, but we're also chosen to suffer. We're chosen to suffer, it's just there. And it's a really, really hard, brutal kind of suffering that starts... When you say yes to Jesus, and you start feeding a bunch of kids the way Alyssa Gowan did in Kentucky, or you start, as some people are doing, speaking of Kentucky, rushing up on these relief efforts with these floods and these problems that have went on. When you commit your life to mission, and you commit your life to a calling... There is suffering that is involved. See, what's interesting here is Saul was responsible for inflicting so much suffering, and now he is the recipient of this suffering. You say, well, how do you know that? Verse 16 says, I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Oh, gee, thanks, God. That sounds wonderful. But there is going to be suffering because what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to take this raw, unlearned, undiscipled person, and I'm going to have to create them and make them in my image. Life becomes especially difficult, especially difficult whenever you're called. And I see people just start to take steps back. As they take steps in, they just start to take steps back. But it's so much better than this place of comfort and you may think, no matter, I just go to church here. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm giving. I'm even giving 10%. I'm saying that your life means more. Your life is valuable. And if this seems confusing, but you know you're a follower of Jesus, the best place to just start is, God, what is it that you have for me? What is it that I'm supposed to do? And these weird, if you're receptive to this, these weird doors are just going to start opening. And you're going to start getting opportunities. And it's going to make you nervous. And then you're going to have the opportunity to step into it or to retreat. It's the way that it always looks. So I have had to watch over time, and I'm not going to go into detail about this because I have so many times, parts of my life and parts of the things that Beth and I have really wanted to do, plans that we have had for our kids, um, aspirations I've had as an academic in my career, just completely crumble. And over the years, I've had my share of pity parties as far as suffering is concerned. I've complained when, and I think every pastor has and every church leader has, when you have this big event and everybody's like, okay, see you later. And you're stuck with the mop or the broom and you're cleaning. And you're like, God, what are you trying to do with my life? And then, you know, you're in a situation where, you know, you're, you're going through all this suffering. And I see on Facebook how everybody's taking these nice little vacations. And I'm like, God, what is it that you're trying to do with my life? I've complained many times about what God has put me through. And then I remember passages like this, who come from Saul, who will eventually be Paul. 2 Timothy 3.12. Anyone who wants to live a holy life in Christ will be harassed. Anyone who steps into this life 
And they make the decision to follow Jesus with everything that they are, which is the bare minimum expectation will be harassed. He goes on in Philippians to say this, the righteousness that I have comes from knowing Christ, the power of his resurrection, and the participation in his suffering, living out, literally living out the crucified life every single day. Even when it think, feels like things are going absolutely wonderful, you get that phone call. You hear about that tragedy. You see this surprise in your bank account. These things happen all the time. Your closest relationships sometimes feel like an absolute wreck. And there are times you tell yourself, I can't go any further. And as you live into this calling, this would not be a good marketing point for trying to get you serving in the church. If you live into this calling, God just transforms and molds you and makes the hard places soft and makes you recognize, how was it that I cared so much about owning that thing or doing this thing when people are literally suffering and don't know what to do? It was 7.30 this morning, and I get a phone call on Facebook. I call it the Facebook phone. It's pretty shady. I never know to answer it or not. But, you know, because you never, that means people don't have your phone number. That's what that means. And, it, and it's from this guy who I was uh, connected with recently that's, that's going through some very hard times. And Beth heard, Beth was, in, I had it on speakerphone because I was walking around still trying to get ready. And this man was just absolutely devastated with what he was going through. Addiction, very serious problems. This is 7.30 in the morning. And this is what he says to me. He says, can I ask you something? He said, why do you care so much? Why do you care so much? And I didn't really know what to say, but this is what I said. Because I believe that you're redeemable. And he just took like a really long breath. He's like, how much time do you have? And I said, well, none. I've got to go to church. I said, so let's talk later. And we're going to. Had I never stepped in at one point as a broken alcoholic, as someone a lot of the time that doesn't, I can't even build a tree house. Someone that doesn't know left from right sometimes as far as what this calling means. This conversation never would have happened. You have the ability, because of a unique story, to reach into the lives of people that I will never meet, that I could never impact, that I could never change. And the only thing that you have to do is say a very, very confident yes and then see what God does. Last, they are, calls in, uh, they are chosen to see. So a little more optimism. Um, the called are chosen to see. Serving does not always seem fun. Suffering never seems fun. But when you get to see, whenever those flakes are removed, everything changes. And the way that you see your family and the way that you view others 
the way you recognize and experience the power of God within a calling using your spiritual gifting gives your life the completeness and the identity that it's lacking. You see, there's a part of us that feels lacking when we're outside of Christ, when we don't have Jesus. And then there's another part of us, if we really, really get it, that says, what is it that I am supposed to do? The contributions in this room, the abilities and the gifting that are within this room so far surpass anything that I could ever do on my absolute best day. And that is my prayer for us. I don't care if you're 90 years old. I don't care if you're handicapped. I don't care if you have social anxiety and you feel like you're not good around people or in front of people. None of that matters to God. Look at the story of a man named Saul and the significance of what he was able to do. The called see differently. They see differently. And we need more and more people within our church that see differently. Verses 17 and 18, Ananias went to the house, which he didn't want to go to that house. This was obedience, and it was part of his calling. He placed his hands on Saul, and I would have loved to have seen this moment, because we're talking about what's possibly the greatest Christian missionary ever. Brother Saul, the Lord sent me, Jesus who appeared to you on the way when you were coming here. He sent me so that you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, flakes fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And this is my prayer. Through worship night tonight, through, through the experience of breakthrough, and through what you're going through, through the urging that you may feel right now, I know God's called me to work with people that suffer from anxiety. I know that God has called me to restore and build things because that's a gifting and a talent I have. I have a passion for the poor. I have a passion for the hungry. I have a passion to greet people at this church and other churches. I'm good with numbers. I'm good with this. Whatever that may look like, I'm hoping that through the power of the Holy Spirit that those flakes start to fall and that you can see and that at 38 years old, or 29 years old, or, or 15 years old, you can say, now I know why I'm here. Now I know what all that hell that I went through, now I know what it means. Now I know the exact demographic, the exact kind of people that I'm going to devote the rest of my life to. And you know what a lot of people will say? They will say, well, right now I'm just supposed to be in the home. I'm supposed to be spiritually ministering to my family. Listen. If you reach out into this kind of calling, your kids are going to turn into radical disciples like you've never seen. When kids watch their moms and dads become followers of Jesus to the point that they're willing to look at risk above reward, everything in the household changes because you all of a sudden have the ability to see. There are people in here right now, you're smart. Gosh, you're so much smarter than me. You make more money than me. You probably make a lot of better decisions than me. But there are flakes that are over your eyes right now. And my prayer is for some of you today 
that those flakes are removed, or at least the curiosity, as we just said, begins, and you have a deeper understanding of what God wants you to do. So a few closing things that are going to answer some questions for you guys before we leave. And the first thing that I would say, not questions, statements, that I would say is this. Don't, because this is what so many people do. <coughs> Excuse me. Don't complicate this idea of calling. Don't complicate this idea of calling. Don't make it, because this is what so many people do. Well, they go through their whole life in church. Well, I just don't know what the Lord wants me to do. But I'm still waiting. And here they are, 60 years old, waiting for something to just fall in their lap from the sky. And that's not the way that it works. Nothing's going to fall into your lap. You've got to get out there and serve. You've got to put the things that you care about, that you're passionate about, that rarely ever matter. I'm not talking about family. But you put some things on hold and say, here I am, send me in my life. What is it that I can do? What is it that you've gifted me with? I don't know yet. And here's, here's the thing. I think some of you in here right now, I think you know exactly. You're just waiting for like a, a really small push. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you that today. But don't complicate this thing. Don't make it, well, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. When the Lord wants me to see it, he's going to show it to me. There are times that callings can feel really spe uh, super specific. I know that God has called me to pastor in the local church. That's super specific. I understand that. In Paul's situation, it says he was chosen to carry God's name before the Gentiles, before the kings, and before, before the Israelites. He was instrumental in, in sending the gospel and spreading the gospel to the non-Jewish world. But he didn't have it all figured out at first. Some of you who know the Bible well enough know that soon he's going to need time in Tarsus. He's going to have to go home to try to figure all this out. Some people would look at that as wasted time. No, this is time to figure it out. So you know exactly what you're supposed to do. Very important. Don't complicate it. If you complicate it, you'll never step into anything. There could be people in this church, other churches, that have been in church like their entire lives and have never stepped into a particular kind of mission that edifies the local body. Here's another important point. How do we know when we're called? I shared a little bit of that earlier, but how do you know when you're called? Three important points that I'm going to give you. This is the first one. You feel the Spirit's urging. Okay, you feel the Spirit's urging. And I know that there are some of you in here today. You feel the Spirit's urging. God is pushing me toward this kind of area. God is pushing me to be an advocate for these kinds of people. God is pushing me to mobilize people together. I know that that's something God is telling me to do. That's the urging. Some of you feel that. Number two, you're clearly meeting a spiritual need. Are there people struggling in this world, with in our community, with addiction? Yes, that's a need. Are there people struggling with hunger? Are there kids that are being mistreated? Yes. Are there kids who need foster homes? Yes. Are there people struggling with, with mental health issues, poverty, all these different kinds of things? Your opportunity to tutor kids, your opportunity to do this, all these things. So there has to be a need for a particular ministry. And then this third one is really important. What you do needs to be confirmed by others. And this is what that looks like in my situation when I feel like that was awful or I've questioned my calling at the right time. Somebody will say, Matt, I really needed that sermon. 
Matt, God has placed the anointing on your life. I need to hear those things. Like the enemy still has the ability to push me away and make me struggle with these things. So when people start coming behind you and saying, you're changing lives. I can't believe that you stepped into this. I can't believe that you're doing this. This is incredible. This is amazing. God is really using you. That's the confirmation that you need. Now, if you step into something and nobody's got your back because they think you're half crazy, maybe you've not been called. There are situations like that. Oh, God's told me to do this. God's told me to do that. And I'm thinking, but I'm just not so sure. And other people are thinking those same things. Like, I'm just not so sure. So there has to be some kind of confirmation where God sees, where people see the work that God is doing in your life. And here is how you miss your calling. And this is the most tragic thing that we'll mention today. You do nothing. And there are people who have felt, God is really moving me in this direction. You know, why is it that they never talk about this in the church? Why is it that, that the American church is not confronting this particular thing? And they want to complain about it. And they want to talk about it a whole lot. But they're not necessarily going to work as agents of change. There are so many people who put off the calling, the specific work that God has placed on their lives for other things. So do you want a sure way, if you are a follower of Jesus, do you want a sure way to die miserable? Do you want a sure way to always feel like something is missing? Do you want a sure way to feel inadequate or some void when you're around people like this? Just do nothing. Just make excuses. Just continue to lie, to listen to the lies of the enemy that you're just, you're not good enough, you're not prepared enough, you don't know what you would do. Because it happens all the time. Let me share with you as we close how God's mission is fulfilled in the local church and the Great Commission is carried out to see the nations come to follow Jesus. This is what it looks like. Ordinary people like us Ordinary people start doing extraordinary things because they've surrendered. They've been willing to say, God, I, I don't have any other options. I don't know what else to do. I know that I'm, I'm unhappy. I know that this is really, really scary. I don't have the confidence to do this. I don't have the finances to do this. I don't feel like I have people behind me yet to back me up. I don't know what I'm going to do. But ordinary people like us start doing extraordinary things because they've surrendered. Timid people who may never share the gospel, become bold people because they are truly living out a calling. And broken people watch their stories of suffering, their stories of divorce, their stories of addiction, their stories of hospitalization, their stories of whatever it might be turn into stories of rescue for others there are people in this county right now 
who are suffering like you can't even imagine. Maybe it's a panic attack or, or, or something like that, some sort of trauma. They can't even get out of bed. Other people who are so, so lonely because their ex has found someone else, they put their life together, and they feel like no one sees them. There are kids, just babies, in our community that have no hope whatsoever. And what they're waiting on, as the Spirit urges you, as the Spirit moves within you, to fill these gaps and to step into this, this space in the exact same way that Saul did. Years ago, I would have never, ever been on a call on a Sunday morning, completely unexpected, just happened to pick it up after I'd been called three or four times with someone after I share some things that says, why do you even care? And that's the posture that so many people have. Why do you even care? And I looked back at my story and my own darkness, and the answer again was this. Because I believe that you are redeemable. Are you ready to see differently? Today could be the start of that. And tonight could be an absolute breakthrough in your life. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you and we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. God, for those that are in this room right now that are being moved or being pushed in this direction, God, because I don't care if they're, if they're 9 or 10 years old or if they're 95 years old. God, reveal their value in you. Help them to see themselves as highly favored and as loved by you. God, the apprehension, the, the, the fear, the um, echo of the enemy in our ear constantly that we can't do things. My prayer, Father, is for awakening. My prayer is for breakthrough. My prayer, Father, is that we learn as a people through the power of the Holy Spirit to step into what you've called us to do. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.